When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is One Hate Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me once again, I mean, he's just a, he's a dead set regular on this show. You could call him a co-host almost. I might have to, if I was putting, we're talking the world around the World Cup, so if I had a star on his shirt every time he came on this show, he'd have 48 stars, I think, by now. So it'd just be all stars. He is an all star. It is the man, the thickest and girthiest leg of the tripod of the Cinephiles podcast, Mr. Stu Coote. Hello. 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 I'm feeling like this is a bit of a, like a pirate radio setup <laughs> because this is the seventh location we've actually recorded this show in. So we're on the move. <laughs> They're not going to find our signal. What? Yeah, I think we've, this is about number seven where we've actually recorded here. Oh my gosh. So. I can't believe that that's, I can't believe that that's the case. Yeah. Oh my God, here we are. We're on the lamb. We are on the lamb and it's appropriate because we're, you know, we're up to the 65th minute. So if you're watching at home, it's one hour and four minutes um, on your dial on the original theatrical cut of heat. Um, It is seconds out if you're watching in the uh, actual 4K edition, the new Blu-ray cut. But we're having a watch now and Dennis Haysbert and uh, as Donald Breeden and Kim Staunton as Lillian are about to be on screen. But right now we've got a freeze frame on the purse-lipped Al Pacino. The last time we spoke, this is all out of order. This is like X-Men Days of Future Past this recording is. because the last time that we chatted, we were chatting the 90th minute of this yes. movie. The, the conversation. The, the infamous conversation. Yeah, this is the first time we've uh, spoken since our uh, lovely film festival debut. Yeah. And a very congratulations to you. That was a very fun evening. Thank you, mate. Sydney Town Hall. And, um, and, and you had a nice surprise for Mr. Joe Lynch. We did. That was, yeah, that was quite the surprise. So, yeah. Were you expected to be called a drunken madman by another film director that night? Or? No, but I, he, he, I think he has some expertise in that field, <laughs> so I'll accept it. <laughs> um, so... This is a ripping minute. We're just coming off of the back of an amazing exchange. One of my favourites of the film, actually, because um, especially as we've watched uh, each of these, this string of conversations, you know, we kicked off Garth, yourself and myself watched an amazing one with Wayne Grow and the young prostitute who he kills. We see Vincent go to that crime scene. He comes back from the crime scene and it's almost like Justine, without having been there, replays exactly his methods. Yeah, yeah. And th- we're kind of right on the cusp of her going, you don't live with me. You know, you, you go out, you you assess, you, you, you set the scene, you, you hunt, see hunt signs, your prey. you see the signs of passing and you hunt your prey down. And so it's really apt because right now you've got Vincent like getting hit with a truth bomb, which is just so fantastic. But it's also, Pacino 
does it so well in this scene because he never you get the sense he never lied to her as well he's like look this is what I said I was when you married me or when we hooked up that I can't be that regular guy it's back to the conversation it's the regular the regular type of life is, is that, that your life yes like it's not I'm out I'm out there on the on the hunt and and I think that's what's so great about it is that she is both so right and he is right yeah I'd, it always it always annoys me though like the I don't know if it's the writing in this of the position it puts the women in to sort of be like, oh, just walk away from it. Everyone's like, just walk away from that life. Just walk away. And it's like, maybe don't get involved with the guy <laughs> who's in that life. Maybe that's the easy way to do it because yeah. it puts them in this precarious position where they're like the, the, the nagging female voice to be like, yeah. but what about me? What about us time? And yes. you're like, this is a movie about people who shoot people and people who rob banks. And then you're just putting them off to the side of being like, the cliche relationship sort of nagging female voice, which I don't think is fair to the female characters in this because, and they're not all nagging by, no, by that no. token, but the, the sort of the story of the mechanics sort of shove them into that corner, maybe unwillingly into that corner. I think many times when I've watched this minute and we're going to, we're going to watch it together shortly, but any, there have been plenty of times where I've watched it and I've felt like that, but maybe because I'm in this weird and, uh, there's no other way to describe it. We'll just call it like a hyperloop. I, I, I'm traveling through the movie heat like 20 minutes in rotation at yeah. a time in preparation <laughs> for this podcast. So I, I tend to watch, you know, like a 20-minute burst and then I watch 20-minute burst and then, you know, if I get drawn into the rabbit hole as I often do, I'll watch the rest of the movie. But I find myself watching and in this moment, what what hits the beat so strong for me in this moment it doesn't make her a nag. It just makes her like the truth teller. Like she's like... But the problem is she's not... She wants to be led into his world. Yes. And it doesn't work because the only reason he can survive in his world is because he's seen all this heinous stuff. Yes. And he's built up a bit of a defensive mechanism around his heart and around his head. And he has the job. The job is what keeps him going. The job is what is sort of his like sword and shield in amongst all the darkness of doing his police work. Yes. She's saying, let me in. You've got to share. And he's right to say, like, do you really want to hear that? Because if I tell you about all the dead babies and all the dead stuff, she'll automatically have an empathetic empathetic response to that. It'd be like, oh, that's terrible. The world's a bad place. How do you do this? How do you put up with this day in, day out? And he's yeah. like, well, because it's my job. Yeah. It's what I do. I have to do it because it, that's, he, that's what it is. That's his purpose. So it's actually safer. He's actually doing the thing of like, by not telling her is, yes, shutting her out, but he's also protecting her from those evils that are out there. Because in her world, like when is she ever going to come across like a dead prostitute like hanging out of a bin hanging out of a bin it's never going to be there unless she's going to see it on the news so he's trying to have some dislocation between home life and work life and her coming across and wanting to see his world yeah doesn't work because that reminds him of what but it's also it's also the truth of his method right i think is that that's what you're saying as well is he knows very much that you know the way that i can function the way that i can function in this uh, scenario is that I need I need to be shut out. I need to be shut down. I don't. I I can't have you. Um, I can't have you stoking the fires and you know going. Hey, like tell, t- 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 tell, yeah, tell me all this stuff. I can't do that because the way that I've been there to function is that it's almost like he has to be objective in those moments. He has to be objective and go see this heinous thing, take it inside, process it. And not let it emotionally impact him because it like it it has to serve as a fuel. It goes in. It does, and and she serves as somewhat of a sanctuary for him. 
yes. away from that stuff. And yes. then very rightly so sets up like the establishing shot of them together in bed, then sharing the shower. And she finds out a hollow existence of just having the sex and silence and him leaving yeah. and then coming home to the, like, the cold dinners. But for him, he's like, no, I need to hold on to this as some remnant of normality and humanity, which is something that's like sex and love and, and a food together as a couple and a kid. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's wholesome. That's, that's normal. Yeah. But the problem is he also goes he, he, out of that he, at the he, drop of a hat as well. Yeah, he's, he's, he's breaking out of that cycle that keeps him sort of semi-normal at any point. Because if he didn't have that, that, that slight time to switch off, he'd be... He'd be a madman. He'd be, a, he'd be just like everyone else in this. He'd just yeah. be cold and, yeah. Which, like he says, that keeps him sharp. That keeps him, in, keeps him good at his job. Keeps me grounded. Guys, we're going to jump into this minute. Um, uh, we're going to jump into this minute, which kicks off in this scene and then moves into, I think, one of the, the beginning of, of a couple of minute conversation scene with, the, I think, like one of the tragic kind of heroes of this story, um, Dennis Haysbert's Don Breeden and Lillian, um, and, and a completely different... Uh, dynamic of men and women conversation. So we're going to watch that. I'm going to come back and talk to you about it in a minute. That's the only thing you're committed to. The rest is the mess you leave as you pass through. What I don't understand is why I can't cut loose of you. Hey, it's Lily. Let's go, baby. I met the manager. Is that the boss? Get time for what that motherfucker does every day. Baby, can you just handle it till we find you something new? Can you do that? Ain't a hard time that invented. Ain't a hard time that been invented that I cannot handle. That's a good line. Great line, and to close the minute out almost perfectly. That's a nice little bit of osmosis. But just to, to go back with, I love, for whenever we've seen Pacino, like I've had several scene, several minutes now where he's gone very big. very Even in this, he goes, the, the minute before this. He's like, let's he share goes, that with you. Yeah, he goes a little hand. big, and he goes like, yeah. you know, I'll do that. But even this, when he just leans in, and it's that look of like, this is over. Yeah. And I'm not changing, because I can't. Because it's what I do, and either you can be with me or not. But just the body language of him just leaning over, he looks older. Like in some scenes, he looks quite, he looks a lot younger in this. And this, he's kind of tired and haggard, and it's not what he needed on the back of seeing a child prostitute being killed. But even Justine. Justine looks, you know, earlier in the film, in that beautiful black turtleneck, and she's got her hair back. She looks very strong, postures strong. And in this, they're both, like she's leaning in, they both look tired. And, but I can't let you go I as can't well. Let you go. And you know we've we've seen it uh, in scenes with Van Sant's being covered in darkness. Yeah, she's getting engulfed into the darkness as well. Everything around sort of Vincent's world eventually just sort of goes to black. Like everything else fades out, apart from just he he's left and him. He's alone. left in the spotlight yeah. at the table. Yeah, it's a Look. really interesting. Just him with his own like turning up to the party after everyone's gone home is that's his lot in life. And also, it's, it's when they come into this scene, it's so beautiful and striking because the light feels really warm. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's almost, and now that I'm looking at it close, 
even though the light still has that like almost yellowy golden shade of warmth that sort of brings out the golden um, in their faces, they're more shrouded in shadow the more they hunch over, yeah. the more they lean in. And so, it, as you said, it's it's unfla- it's intentionally seemingly unflattering. Yeah. You don't want them to look good. No, and it's at, and it's at the death throes of a relationship. Like they're like, is this what it's come to? Just everyone else has had their happy moments at the party. Bosco with his wife running around and. Everyone else flirting like, like a yeah. maniac. <laughs> <laughs> but then to jumping to like when we jump to meeting Lillian and is it Don? Who's the yeah? Don, Don, Dennis Haysbert plays Don Breeden and he calls her Miss Lily and her character's name is Lillian. She's um, I mean, he is probably the best. We've said many times in a nearly three-hour film, man has the chance to go and explore these little avenues. I've just recently watched because um, we did uh, Pulp Fiction for the Cinephiles. And that's, you know, as a collection of sort of little vignette, L.A. sort of vignette sort of things. Yes. This is a beautiful little short story. If you look at just sort of the crime and justice system of this person being released from jail with no money, limited skills, limited career opportunities, yep. gets put in front of a manager as a short order cook, as a basically as a busboy. Yes. And the guy's saying, right, I'm taking 25% of your wages. That's the game. Like, that's just fine. That's like lawful robbery that, that they're doing of him. <laughs> And then he jumps up to becoming a short order cook because that's what I love as well, that you will see him actually back on the grill pans um, and then to becoming that driver. Over how much screen time does he have? It's probably the most efficient. It's one of the... It's, it's, it's almost as efficient as the opening prologue of Up. Yeah, like it of, is. Like, <laughs> like as a, as of the arc of, of his story. Through. Yeah, and he Because just, we see him out of jail. And he holds it so well. And I love this of just like whatever dive bar that she comes and picks him up in. Because we're not, we're not to assume that this is the bar that she's in when she sees the news. She's in a bar when she's watching no, that. But it doesn't I, look like... That looks a bit... I, like, I, I don't know. Because the way that she describes it here... And this is one bit where I've been confused. And I've watched it a couple of times to try and get a landing on it is... I don't know if this is the darkened diner where he's sitting by himself having a drink like in respite or what I think is probably more or where he accurate work, where, he where, where he works. Nah, nah, I don't think, no, I think that's the but last what place I, he'd want to be. What I think is that he's just gone to a bar close by. She's gone to pick him up from work. She's met the manager. He's not there. Yeah. He's and she, in, and yeah. she's gone to find him. Because what you've, you know, you know, if you're not really squinting and having a good look, she's wet. Like she's covered in rain. Like yeah, she, it's yeah, been raining yeah, yeah. in LA somewhere outside. She's come inside. She looks like she's been splashed and, with water. And the manager's definitely hit on her as well. Oh. For 100%. Like... Why are you with him? Budcourt like, is a pick. Yeah, I'll give you... Uh, one, yeah. 100%. But I do love when he's saying, like, yeah, I get... And this is sort of the thing about sort of, you know, the, the like sort of all the Michael Moore docos and everything else of, like, the criticism of sort of the people coming out on minimum wage. It, yeah. They can't live. You actually... You cannot live that way. No. Have an, live an honest job, pay your rent, pay your dues. It doesn't work. And then when someone's just going to steal from you. So he's like, yeah, it's I a- went to jail for this. Like, I went to jail for robbery. And this is the- different putting a shotgun in someone's <laughs> face. But, <laughs> a, but, yeah. a, but a, uh, you know, Ava DuVernay's amazing documentary called The 13th, so about the 13th Amendment, talks about sort of the, you know, it's almost like the industrialization of American lawful, prison system. Lawful slavery. Yeah, yeah, lawful slavery in the prison yeah. system. And so this is like a, this is another little aside. And particularly in a movie in L.A., in the mid nineties, it is a very well. What and what's the what's the line between what's blurs the line between him and Van Sant? Van Sant's a shonk. Yeah. He's a crook. He's just doing all the white collar stuff and never getting his hands dirty. Yes, but here's someone down on the on the street level 
just being to, a driver and but struggling to survive he's doing the same thing yeah he's stealing something that's not his he's done his he's dipping his hand in it's yeah. just certain people are protected not others aren't and yeah. he's unfortunately the cannon fodder who doesn't get protected no. but i i love this like you know that trying to you know having his quiet moment again doesn't probably like a trying as looking at sort of you know we've we've looked at the sort of the masculinity in this film of him trying to have he's shed a tear there because it's broken him. You know, he's probably come out of... Did he, does it ever specify how long he's been in prison? No, I, I, it doesn't It doesn't give us a you'd, long... It, you'd imagine a while. You'd imagine yeah, a, like a, a couple a st- of years. A couple of, of years still. Like, decent enough that, like, you know, he's come across um, well, Neil, yeah, yeah. Neil before. and, and the, the assumption is decent enough to land him in, like, Folsom Prison. Yeah, somewhere, well... Serious. Strong, strong, yeah, bad enough to meet Neil... And, um, <laughs> and Val Kilmer. Yeah, it's like, so, you're yeah. bad enough to have yeah. met these guys. Yeah, so, you probably did something not so great. But so, and we're to think that, you know, that's the toughest of the toughest. You know, I'm not trying to be a penologist, but, you know, <laughs> trying to be a really, like, a, a hard prison, put up with some very probably violent stuff, some hard, mm. hard living, to see him then have a quiet moment in this where this guy's broken him, where it's a five-foot-two, out-of-shape white guy who's effectively robbing him every day and yeah. treating him like, like a slave uh, has broken him because and he's not, he's meant to be out and I'm meant to be able to just make, I'm trying to go, he's trying to go legit. That's what, that's the, the, the sad tragic, thing about him. Tragedy. Yeah. And Kim Staunton is the act, uh, the, the, the female actor's name. There is such a deliberate, perfect level of tenderness of, caressing his neck in yeah. just the frame like we're at 34 seconds about 33 seconds into this minute you see this beautiful touch of his neck and he's literally almost got his hand, head in his hands at that point his head's right down as Stu said he's like he's, he's, he's bearing some of that really raw emotion and on this like this precise second is this beautiful kind of I, I, I almost want to say soft focus would mm. you say soft focus mm. close up where she uh, sort of takes up uh, this sort of right-hand third of the of the frame and she's just giving him this like you know this loving and caring and but she's she's trying to drag him through this she also doesn't smother him no so she comes over and she keeps because you get the sense not saying that they probably had a volatile relationship but she sort of she doesn't try to sit next to him and instantly like coddle him. Coddle him. She just basically keeps a little bit of distance, comes around the other side of the table and just addresses it front on saying like to support him. It's a Liter- real, literally like, and figuratively comes around to go front on and say, because, I met the manager. Because it's a, it's a, and it's interesting in this sort of series we're going to have of the four couples, how they interact. They're all very different. Like Justine may have been a different, like not know how to get in, but you got the sense with Lillian that she knows how to pierce straight through to who he is, like straight through to his core yeah. in a gentle, gentle way. I love just the way when they're sitting here, both just got the hands down and just, you know, two, two lovers that are just there for each other. It seemed, seeing it is probably most vulnerable period. And, and the 42 seconds in, this is like, this is why Dennis Haysbert is an amazing actor. Like he can't even look at her at this minute. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, sh- it's got. A sh- he's, sh- he's ashamed of. He's ashamed of where he's at. He's probably ashamed of. And she's probably had to. You get the sense she's probably hung around for him while he's been inside. Yeah, and the the great thing is that, you know, he first says Miss Lily, like he's so happy to see her, and she goes, "Hey, I met the manager." Yeah, and but he all, can't. He can't help himself. Then he's like, "Fucking did time for." But also the the Miss Lily. Yeah. Is like that's a little shorthand for 
oh, that's how drunk you are. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when someone says, hey, Ms. L-, you're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I've met the manager, so I know you're telling me you're drunk. I met him, so I know how drunk you are. Like, yeah. it's that weird sort of that, like, yeah, it just cuts... Right, like it's so different if you walk, baby, yeah. Or like, your parents used to come home. You're like, oh, father, and you'd be like, oh, and your parents would go, oh, I had a few, have you? And you're like, no, I'm fine. And you're like, oh, okay. Like it's just that weird way he sort of and yet slightly animated. He doesn't get up though. He doesn't no. get up to talk to her. Doesn't, and he's no. holding obviously holding the glass as well. So he's. He, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good. That is such a. That's such a small but really. Uh, really crafty touch. Yeah, because he's sort of he's crying into his cups, sort of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. But he's had a few drinks. And he has a few, and he's loose, and he's just you know, and and loose enough that you don't think a guy like this cries that often. He doesn't have many of these moments where he no. And and, and so, still yet to make eye, really eye, eye contact. He doesn't throughout that sort of exchange. He's off in his own little, like he's off on his own sort of tangent. So when he says the line, you know, I did time for I did time for something that motherfucker they do every day. The great thing about Kim Staunton's performance as Lillian here is if you just watch it, like this movie is a masterclass. We're going to go back to a Pacino gesture right at the end, but um, there's a couple of um, there's a performance theorist that works at Sydney Uni. He's done a couple of papers. I know I'm getting a bit sort of um, uh, uh, intellectual here, but. If you ever get a chance to read, his name's George Cavaris, and he did a compendium uh, edited with other people of like performance theory and the real granular gesture stuff that people do to infer different emotions yeah. or, or things like that. And so it's really getting down to how people use body language to really tell a story, especially in a scene that has to be super economical. And we're talking about a story that has minutes in this movie to do. Yeah. And just there's there's so many deft touches, and this is where you tell like a, 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 a either both a great director of actors and a great actor in a film, is the gestures they do to emphasize in a very organic way what they're saying. And here, she's like, she, as she's talking to him, it's like 51, 52 seconds in this minute, she's like, she's almost moving her head, chin low to high, low to high, almost trying to catch his attention on the way up to try and make him like, can you look at me? But can don't you we look do at that me? to kids? Yeah. Like a kid that's crying, you lean down and you're like, you're right. And you, yeah. and you bring them, and you're you trying to bring, sort of bring them up with you when bring you come up. So, and at the moment she's having to do that multiple sort of times. Under a fence. Kind of, like yeah. she's going under a fence. Ducking under in. a fence, yeah. ducking under the fence. And I just, I love it as a small gesture because it's not like, as you said, nothing she's doing here is coddling. It's all that, that that even that motion, even though it might be like I'm trying to comfort you, I want you to look at me to try and get you through this. It's not. She hasn't put her arm around him. No, she hasn't sat on his side to coddle him. She hasn't said, "Baby, look at me. I need you to look at me right now while I'm talking to you." Nothing that's forceful. Everything that's very gentle. And she's lifting her head so beautifully, like, "Please look at me." And she's do, she does it several times in this sort of small dialogue as she's talking to him. Can you get through it? And then. As her head is much lower than his, in the last seconds, as he says, they're in a they're in a hard time that's been invented that I cannot handle. And when he catches her, he like, catches her yeah. eyes because she's got those like almost like saucer like eyes trying yeah. to just searching out for, like two big spotlights, <laughs> yeah. searching like give me something, like, give me anything. I found sweetie. him out at sea, yeah. kind of thing. Like the, give me the anything. Choppers circling around, anything, baby, please, anything, anything. And, and that I was thinking about this when I was coming over. It's like that little speech he does. It's like, 
you know, it's it's not quite, you know, like a, you know, like a kung fu sort of proverb <laughs> or anything like that. No. But it's it's a little saying that you, I, I, there's no idea what the provenance of it is, but you get the sense that like that is something that's that's got his him, little mantra, and it's got him through some bad oh. bad things. Like I don't know if it's someone maybe he met in the joint that used to always say it, or maybe because he's always been put on through sort of. The, the social class stuff, racism, whatever it is that he's probably whatever. been subjected to throughout either the prison system or just life. And you get the sense that it has been, fair to say, probably a tough life, probably been a tough life for, for most of the people in this film, like yeah. one way or another. No one's, like, especially when, you know, just going back to some of these, and now, so the the sort of, there's sort of four central conversations that happen right in the in the thrust, you know, the major dramatic thrust of this movie before we get to... And then, then it's punctuated with the literally the big interaction of the movie right in the middle, the 90th minute, the famous cafe scene between De Niro and Pacino. And in Michael Mann's Thief, there's an amazing interaction with Tuesday World, who's like the woman in the film, and James Kahn's Thief. Yeah. And they sit at this cafe conversation, and this is one of like the highlights of the entire film, where they have this great conversation about dreams, what they want, love, life, ambitions. And I feel like all these vignettes are like weird, like that was one big sort of smorgasbord of a, of a massive epic yeah, let, yeah. getting to know you conversation. But these are little portals into conversations like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then the cafe conversation at the end with De Niro and Pacino is like them confirming things they know about each other and also learning new things with the re- reveal of the dreams and, and, and their motivations here. And so I, I love that, that that connects it. But also you look back at other interactions and just I was just when you said everyone's had a hard life I immediately sort of Ashley Judd yeah, yeah when she's there having that conversation with Neil and she's trying to defuse him yep you're like she's same, she's had to do this shit same before. thing we spoke with the prostitute with Wangro oh. like again body language and and when, as we said got into that submissive like that low I, position mm-hmm. and there's something slightly submissive about in this scene as well as the, the coming down and like yes the gently gently like gently gently because they're not these are big like capital A alpha dudes. <laughs> yes. Like they're not going to react like, cause they'll react like Val Kilmer. If you try and go big on them. Yeah. Like she. Rage Ashley, reverse out yeah, of the driveway. Ashley Judd tries to like treat him like a child and he reacts like a child. He has a tantrum and storms off cause he is a giant kid. You know what? You're just a child growing older. He is. Like, and that's how it like. I, I really hope in all the times that my wife has been made to watch this movie that I don't get that line. I know it's, it's coming. coming. It's coming one. Like, we've <laughs> spoken to her. It's coming. But this is, these little vignettes all reinforce the stakes. These yes. are the stakes. It's not the bank. The, the bank, the, losing the money, they're not the losers in this. Because no. they said the money's, the money's insured. It's not your money. Money doesn't, money is just little bundles of paper. It's yeah. the people like Miss Lily who, Throughout this, has got this. Has guy spent five years writing letters and going letters, going and then going up his pride to get him in the car that morning to drop him off at the diner, yeah. saying "Hope you have a good day." And then when he breaks, picking up the pieces once again and going, "But can you do it? Like, can you bring home an honest wage? Like, can you can we can you get over the our, hump? Our rents like." 200 bucks a week if we can just cover that then we can buy food and we've got a life again yeah if we can just hold on to that because it's the tragedy when neil comes in to see him yeah is i always think of this scene going no nah, man like dude for for that two sex just think about her in your life yeah that you've just gone i've got nothing to lose because he's thinking of bud court 
Yeah. When he goes, fuck it. It's not. It's not fuck Lily. It's no, and it's just like I'm not putting up with this. The man again. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm going to take charge. Of yeah, my and I'm life. not going to. And he's thinking like a man. The testosterone kicks in. He's like, I'm going to. I'm all about action and drive and bang. And then he could have just stood like and just said, No, nah, man, Miss Lily's going to pick me up at five. I'm cool. But like, can't. Or like, Nah, man, I can't do it. The risk. The risk reward is too big, and especially because we've seen what he's experienced in such a short time. Knowing that, like, you know, get caught. Probably prison wasn't that bad because there's not a thing he can't handle. There's not a, you know, yeah. there's nothing's too tough for him. But yeah, it's a real, it's one of my favorite sort of real touching sequences. Just these two together in this bar. Yeah, and 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 that's what, that's that's the breath at the in the middle of and and we get one for Tom Sizemore's character as well in Michael Torito. You look at Elaine seeing the TV. Yeah, you look at Charlene seeing the TV, and Charlene's very active. Like Charlene's on the phone, you know, to yeah. Alan Marciano, you know, Hank Azaria's character. Like, you want me? All yeah, right, we'll come and get yeah. me and Dominic yeah. right now. You know, yeah. and she's on the phone. But Lillian looks over at the TV and goes, "Can you just turn that up?" And she looks over and she sees the mugshot with his face, and then she looks back and she's like staring beyond the camera. But it's like her gaze is like penetrating the camera. That is the it's a it's the bell. It's ringing of that like. Like I've spent a chunk of my life trying to get this guy back on track. Maybe kids at home, we don't know. Kids. They don't. They don't. They don't go into it. They, they don't, don't cover it off. But you think possibly, yeah, whole life that was just now suddenly it's gone. gone. Like, yeah. And 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 unlike Elaine, who's bit who's looked after Michael's money, and Charlene, who's got the fallback, Lillian is alone. No stakes in the freezer. No stakes in the freezer for Not Lillian. For Lillian. No, it's a really good minute though. It's it's beautiful and it's so, it's it's the it's. In this in this series of crossovers, it, there's a great um, there's there's a great sort of symmetry and smartly keeping the the black background as well, yes, like the shadows and just the nondescript, yeah. Because like, when you go, they they because it's in looks like not a dive bar, but they've got like it looks like sort of red, like yeah, red, reddy red, orangey, red, like, orange um, like booths kind of thing, which is very similar to sort of the. I mean, this restaurant looks a bit nicer than probably where they are, yeah. But it's still that same thing, the darkness all, all coming in the back. And one, one final um, observation before we go is like in the, from like about 24 seconds into this minute when, when Justine has kind of delivered that last line, you know, something to the effect of like, I just, I don't know why I can't leave you. Um, Vincent, as opportunity does this great look down and, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> does this great look down and his eyebrows raise like, well, I don't know either. Yeah, like it's not a the thing. That's a look of like this isn't a negotiation. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to break because no. I'm not giving up. Like I'm not giving up the life. And I said it. You know, it's a pessimist that goes. Look, I probably said it. This isn't going to work. So <coughs> here we are. It's taken us. It's taken us three years to get here. But but, but, also, but like, now we're here. But also, I don't have the emotional range to deal with this. Like, he can't... He There's can't, no... He, he, he can't come home and fight, like, after seeing what he's just seen and hugging, like, the mum of someone who's just lost her daughter. Hazel Goodman, And he knows yeah. he's got a serial killer loose in the city that's basically on his lap and probably has been for maybe 12 months. Who knows? Yeah. Just bubbling away. He can't come home and be like... I don't have the emotional ammunition to deal with what's going on here, even though by all right he should, because he should be leaving his bag at the door and coming in. And he, like, the smarter play in this 
and I, I know it's a minute before, or maybe even a minute before that, it's the way he kind of accuses her when she comes in. He, he blames her. He's like, why didn't you go home with Bosco? Yeah. It's like the smarter thing would have just been to come in and hug her yeah. and go, come on, we're, like, the, the, we're going. The, the, fina- the finesse, and you mention it right now, there's a finesse in the way that he conducts his job. So when we see the poor prostitute's mum, played by Hazel Goodman, come in, he, she's emotional. He looks at her. He embraces her. He holds her in. He channels the, the, the negative emotion that she's got, the, the, the heartbreak, and then he moves her away from that scene. And, and it's he, doesn't have, he doesn't have that skill in his personal life to know that Justine's angry, to deal with that emotion, to embrace her and say, look, I'm sorry, da-da-da-da-da, I wish you'd gone home with Bosco. You know, I'm, I'm trying, honey. I'm sorry, I'm on the clock, whatever, to do that. That's just not in his character. Unless they've had a million of those conversations Unless in these three years. But yeah, and they might right. have. But you're right, but it's also, he, you know, finding that way, it's easy to be sort of, be there for someone when he knows it's only going to be temporary. Yes. Like he walks around away from that crime scene. Yeah. When he gets back in the car, he knows he never talks to that mother ever again. Yeah. So he's allowed to sort of be honest with her. In that brief moment. Yeah. If he means it with Justine though, he's like, I can't let He's going to be held accountable. Yeah. I can't like, oh, you showed like, cause for him, it's probably a sign of weakness or it's, yeah, it's just that weird thing of he's, you know, still, still piped up, um, still sort of maybe a bit hyped up. I remember listening to, there was a really senior cop once on the radio and he said he'd come home from work and his thing was he had the police half hour. Yes. He'd come home and he'd go into his own study, close the door for half an hour. And his family just knew, don't, don't interrupt dad. He would go in one man and literally would come out as dad. And they didn't talk about, like, he didn't want to talk about work, but it would come home, send whatever last emails needed to be sent. But everything had to happen within that half hour. And when the door closed again, he got changed and he was just back to being dad. And that's it. They didn't, and he was just present in that other life. You've got to wash off the other life. Yeah. You know, and Vincent, and the problem with Vincent is that for him, the whole job is his life. Like well, it's so entangled. It's, well, there's he no comes way. He home and pours the, the, like he's doing his debrief in front of everyone. Yes. And then crashes out. And that's not a way to live. That's not a way <laughs> for him to ghost walk through their lives either. No. Which, you know, that's is ultimately fa- what he does. It's a fascinating one, right? Senior cop doing that. That's, yeah. I think, where they, they, they take that real deep authenticity and go, wow, that's, a, that's something that I've never really seen on screen. It's a little zen kind of thing to just be like, all right, I'm going to... Because what else do you do? Do you come home and tell your partner? You don't do a blow-by-blow account of your day. I grew up with my dad coming home doing that. Yeah. And you'd sit there going, I don't even know really what he does for a job, but he'd come home and there'd be this... <laughs> and mum would just be like going, yeah. yeah. And yeah. there was never like, oh, what did you do today? <laughs> like, never back, never back the other way of mum going. Oh well, actually, let me tell you, my like it was, and that was really just the dynamic that they grew up with, and they like yeah, that's parents, a yeah. traditional, thing. traditional they, they, thing. They've seen it that way growing up, but it's just funny how they react. And he should have just come home and said, "Come on, Justine, like let's I had go. a joke, or let's let's go." But to sit and engage, because then he's back into another. Like that sort of converse locked in with an adversary again. Yes. You know, that he can't, he knows he can't beat. And he knows he's not going to yield. That's the weird thing. No. Uh, Guys, this has been another awesome One Heat Minute. Stu Coote, thank you so much for being a part of the show once again. Guys, you can find Stu at Stu underscore watches on the Twitter sphere or just cinephiles.com for everything else. Um, A great 
podcast. I've actually been on the show talking about heat um, with him and Josh, not Liam yet. No, which is, he's coming. He's uh, which, coming. Which which is which is which just hoping we can arrange it. But uh, the birth of my child might be a uh, new child might be uh, Le- holding that back. Liam's like come in San Diego. We don't know where every <laughs> year any one time. He's always out and about. Well, I'm looking forward to finally getting around there for that. Stu, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, One Heat Minute, wherever um, you get your podcasts. Um, but OneHeatMinute.com is the place to find everything about the show. I've been Blake Howard. Thank you to Garth Franklin once again for our web design, Mr. Paul Davies for our awesome theme cho- song, and thank you guys for listening. Boom. Boom. <laughs>